0: thank God for you tonight, and we appreciate uh, you being in the house of God tonight. Uh, we want to uh, go into the Bible, the book of First Kings chapter 11, First uh, Kings chapter 11 tonight. Thank you, uh, worship team. Thank you, church, for your giving and your generosity. Uh, I've preached a number of times from the book of Kings, and in fact, this scripture in particular, uh, but I want to take a different approach in tonight's sermon and uh, minister to you concerning something that I believe uh, would help all of us here tonight. I want to minister tonight a sermon I've called Identifying uh, the Difference Now, we know that as we were growing up as children, uh, we've seen those trivia questions in books. We've seen uh, those number of different images that will come out in the newspapers. And what you would do is they would say, can you spot the difference? They would put two photographs, one on the right and one on the left. And uh, between those two photographs, they would actually ask you uh, if you could spot uh, the difference. And uh, sometimes, what these photos or these images will do is they would display to you uh, not only spot the difference and the question, but they would give you clues as well. Uh, they would say to you something like this there are 20 differences in these images, and so you've got to identify them, and so on and so forth. Uh, many of you would probably be reminded of playing a game like that. Many of you may be reminded of enjoying uh, those brain teasers or even being able to identify the differences. You found it challenging. And I want to minister to you along, alongside with that as a backdrop. I will say to you tonight first, remaining vigilant and remaining focused is what forms in us the virtue of consistency. Now, in a recent interview with Johnny Ive, he shared about Steve Jobs in that interview. And the interviewer asked him, what would you say about Steve Jobs if you were to, have, if you were to uh, put a word on this man, what would be the word that you would say best describes Steve Jobs. Uh, Johnny Ive, at, without, without even uh, going too long into thinking, he said immediately, Steve Jobs was a man of extreme focus. He said when he decided to do something, he never allowed himself to be carried away he never allowed himself to be distracted, he stayed focused, he stayed consistent. And the text we're about to read tells us a very relevant story. That's why I told you I preached from this text a number of times, but I was putting the sermon together and I thought that this passage best illustrates what I'm trying to present tonight. It re- it is so relevant that you would find it connected to our society and our culture today. In First Kings chapter eleven, verses one through verses four, we're going to read about the life of Solomon. Solomon is not an ordinary man in this text. He has be- he has been promoted. He is now the king of Israel, and the Bible tells us. But King Solomon loved many foreign women as well as the daughters of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Adamites, Sidonians, and Hittites, from the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, you shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they will turn away your hearts after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. For it was so when Solomon was old, that his wives turned his heart after other gods. And his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father, uh, David. So here we find a man, Solomon. Solomon. If you go to verses 9 in the same passage, if you look at your Bibles, you would see that the Lord became angry with Solomon. And the reason for the Lord's anger was because he appeared to Solomon twice in his lifetime. Two times God appeared to Solomon and God showed up in his life. Now we're not talking about, as we spoke about in the Bible study on Friday, we're not just talking about the presence of God or the, or the uh, omnipresence of God, we're talking about the manifested presence of God. In other words, God showed up in Solomon's life in a very personal way. Two times in his lifetime. And again, I want you to hold that thought because I'll preach a sermon on Sunday morning in the silence. But he turned away from God, albeit not suddenly, but gradually and progressively. This turning away didn't happen at an instant. It wasn't something that Solomon woke up one day and just said, you know what, I don't want to love God anymore. I don't want to be loyal to God anymore. I don't want to be called his child anymore. I don't want any of his promises in my life anymore. It didn't happen at a sudden. This was a slow gradual progress and undeniably we know we've heard sermons on this. I'm not going to belabor you with further thoughts on this, but the deep-seated issue for Solomon was lust. He lusted. He had a a flesh issue right here. And Solomon refused. He refused and he failed to confront that area of his life. In fact, what we see happening here is he kept giving in. How do you know, pastor? Pastor. If he married 700 wives, somewhere he kept giving in. Are are you with me tonight? That means he, he, he didn't put a stop to it. He kept going further and further and further and further and further. And Solomon, of all people, think with me here. I'm laying the groundwork here to say what I have to say in a moment. Solomon, of all people, knew the commandment and the ramifications thereof. Look at verses 2 with me for a moment. The Bible says you shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely the Lord, they will turn away your hearts after their gods. I want you to see this right here. It's not only God saying to him, that you should not be doing this, but God goes on to spill the beans and say, these are the consequences of what you will do, or what you will face if you choose to do this. Are you with me? In other words, God didn't just say, you know, like the commandment, do not bear false witness, do not steal, do not commit adultery, do not bow down to idols, nor make, or, or make graven images. No, He, he, he didn't. He, he, he just said those commandments. He proclaimed those commandments. But to Solomon, he also laid the ramifications if he chose to do this. In other words, to know the outcome and yet still do it is mind boggling am i right yeah. to to know to know to know that if i committed this treason or to know that i committed this sin to know that if i went against God, I will open up doors to other gods and I will no longer be loyal to my God, Uh, that knowledge itself should deter us. James 4.17 puts it this way, Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. So this has become so common today. People have knowledge. People have understanding. They know what the outcomes are going to be, yet they pursue unrighteousness. Now bear with me here. We know that alcohol and cigarettes are the first main reason for cancer. Medical doctors have said, go and type it out. You'll find it on the internet. It's everywhere. I, I spoke to even Victor's daughter. She's a doctor, a, guy, a, a, a gynecologist, right? The, an oncologist, right? And, and she said, yes, gynecologist, because yeah, okay. an <laughs> oncologist is the one that, that diagnoses. And I asked her, I pulled her, so I said, so tell me, What's the number one reason people walk into your center or people walk into the hospital? We can, she said, Pastor, it's either cigarettes or alcohol. Yes. Yes. It's, it, there's, no, there's no shame to that. It's true. Yeah. It's one of the major contributors. Question, why do people still do it? Mm. Have you pondered that? Yeah. Have you wondered? People know what this can do right? You know what sugar water can do to you, but people still drink it. I mean, let's not just talk about alcohol or cigarettes. Let's be fair with everyone here. You know, right? But we still do it. Which, Which begs the question, if we had the knowledge, why do we still do it? Solomon knew it. He knew, he cannot run away from the reality that what is going to happen from his own action, he's going to regret it. Now, for starters, I'll tell you why we still do it. Because our emotions and our feelings gets the best of us. We want to to pacify our feelings. Our feelings say, oh, that looks so good. Go for it. It's so good. And then your tongue starts, you know, having that, that, that kick where you're like, oh, I really need to have it. <laughs> right? And so what happens? What happens? Emotion triumphs over brains. Yes. Feelings triumph over yeah. common sense. Yeah. So you know the reality. You know what is going to happen, but you still do it because somewhere we don't have dominion over our feelings and emotions. Yeah. And so the feeling and emotions are so strong in us, just like Solomon. He said, "Last one, God." And then the next day, he saw another woman. He ran after her, and then he kept doing it. He kept doing it. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm sorry, but I've, I've not I've not looked up Solomon's age. Does anyone know how old Solomon was, or how how old he died? How do you have seven hundred wives <laughs> in that lifetime? <laughs> That means what? Three wives a day. Huh? <laughs> you married like three women a day. Huh? <laughs> three, what were you doing, dude? I mean, okay, that's besides the point. Okay, But anyway, as Christians, there's an absence of the fear of God. The stronghold of desire, it can be lust, it can be greed, it can be covetousness, it can be envy, it can be pride is so great that we are blind sight to the truth of god's word it's mind boggling yet so human nature to know what 's right and yet do otherwise. The flesh in us craves to be fed there 's an appetite that we develop and if we refuse to be sober minded and vigilant, if we refuse To say no, we have to learn to say no. If we refuse to say no, there is always a price to pay. Now, let's do a simple experiment here. For whatever reason, I found this article on burgers. Science says, listen to this carefully, that junk foods are full of calories. Fat and excess sodium. Having it even once can be bad for your health. For example, okay, listen, just listen. A single hamburger, I'm just experimenting with you, okay? Just bear with me, I'm going to go somewhere with this. A single hamburger contains 500 calories, 25 grams of fat, 40 grams of carbs, 10 grams of sugar and 1,000 milligrams of sodium, which is enough to cause havoc in your system. After 15 minutes of your first bite of burger, you will experience a massive surge of glucose. This triggers the release of insulin. which what, What does it do? Which makes you feel hungry again in a few hours. Repeating this pattern can then increase the risk of diabetes. In scientific terms, the process of taking excessive calories in one sitting puts oxidative, oxidative stress on cells. So now, knowing that, will you go eat a burger? I heard, them sh- I heard one man say, that McDonald's literally takes about eight to 10,000 shots just to get the perfect picture to be promoted on a screen. They should employ Delisha. <laughs> I'm serious. I told Yen. I said, man, she can take some really good shots. But the truth is, they, they, they do that for real. Why do they pump so much money into marketing? Why? Simply because they know that if they can get your eyes to desire it, they can get your stomach into the mood of it. And what happens when you're standing in front of it and you're looking at this burger, the cheese melting, and, the, and you know it, never, it doesn't look like that. You know it doesn't look like that. Right? But you look at it and you're like, oh, just one. Right? Just one. And then you, you, you tell yourself, what happened to the knowledge? You know how bad it is for you. You know how much calories it is. That, that. But what happened? Your feelings, your emotions triumphed over logic. So let me tell you this. This is why you hear me preach, and many pastors who care tell you to be careful what you watch and what you look at. Because you create an appetite by what you see. And once that appetite is harnessed inside, you become so dominating. You you don't want to give it up. Even when logic tells you, this is not logic, this is not truth, this is not the way, this is not right. But your feeling kicks in. And that's what happened with Solomon. Are you with me tonight? So despite the fact that the knowledge should deter us, yet even with the knowledge a person continues to go ahead and do it, that is called rebellion. We live in a selective knowledge culture. We ignore what we don't like. Or we just don't pursue knowledge in it which is the state of many Christians. Many Christians don't pursue knowledge in God's Word. So, so to say that they know but they did it is, is, is not true. Many Christians don't even know what they're doing is wrong yeah. to start with because they don't have the knowledge of God's Word. Yeah. But to have the knowledge, that means for me, I know that lying is a sin, but what makes me still want to lie my flesh. I know the judgment that comes from lying. I know the consequences that come, from, But I still do it because it af- appeals my flesh. So where's the root cause of it? The root is your flesh. When your flesh is so strong, you give in to things. And even though Solomon knew, he still did it. So let's bring this down quickly. Uh, What we have to do is we have to learn to tell the difference to save yourself. Solomon, who had experienced God in a unique and powerful way, failed to identify something had changed. Something was different in his spiritual life. The Bible puts it this way, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That means all of us here are individuals that are responsible for my own salvation. I am responsible for my salvation. You are responsible for your salvation. I'm not responsible for yours. You are not responsible for mine. If I decide to backslide and burn myself up, it's my choice because it is up to me to do that. Are you with me? And likewise, the salvation that God has gifted you is of your own to fight and to maintain and to keep. And so what I'm saying is, here... Solomon failed to realize, he failed to identify, he failed to put his finger that something has happened in my life. What changes has happened? Obviously, there are many variables. People will say, but pastor, settings are different. Seasons are different. And every day is not going to be the same. But I say to you, when principles changes, when priorities Start shifting. You must be able to tell something is different in your Christian life. When there's something wrong with your car and you're driving and you hear a sound, church, you can't be telling yourself, Oh, that, that's normal. Yeah. You know there's something wrong. Yeah. It requires attention. And you're driving, you know, something is wrong. I was I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, he was telling me that. His daughter took his car and he was, she was driving the car. And all of a sudden she could, she could smell uh, this burning smell coming up from the dashboard. He says, I don't know what it is. I have to take it in to get it checked. How many know you can't dismiss that? You have to be able to tell something is not performing according to the manual. Something has changed. Something is not right here. And so in Solomon's case, let's consider what he failed to do. In Solomon's case, the Bible says that you shall not intermarry with them. Go ahead and put verses 2 up, Isaac. You shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Right? So God instructed, God gave him this instruction. And so when he failed to identify his disobedience, what God said, he failed to identify that he went against it. He was caught in his own passion, his own desire that he dismissed what God said. So much so, he went from one woman to another woman. So can you catch it with me? Here he is with 700 women and he still doesn't think he disobeyed God. What's happened to the man? Gone, gone they, 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 you know, cuckoo? I mean, what happened to him? How can you not realize? God said that. And now I'm ending, I'm with I'm 700 women, 300 con- What happened to me? So it's a case of either not wanting to face reality. It's a case of living in denial. It's a case of rebellion. It's a case of stubborn, it can be any one of this. But that's not the point of the sermon. My point tonight is, he failed to identify his disobedience. Because in his mind, he did not see because he was deceived. The second thing that you see that he failed to identify was his difference in his loyalty to God. The Bible says in verses uh, uh, 4: For it was so when Solomon was old, his wives had turned his heart after other gods. His heart was not loyal. How is it possible that a man who had an encounter with God can now turn away from being loyal to God and not feel any difference? How is it possible? Or, or rather, let's put it. Let's put the question a different way. How is it possible a man who was one time so powerful in encountering God, experiencing God, having experiences with God, and now come to a place where he turns his attention and feel okay with it? How is that possible? Feel like there's nothing wrong. Nothing. I'm okay. I'm cool with that. He's not reacting. He's not saying, "Oh." How can this happen? How did this take place? How did I turn into becoming an unloyal person? What happened to my Christian? What happened to my walk with God? What happened? It seems that he ignored it. He grew callous to it. He gave in to idolatry. In 1 Kings eleven eleven, the Bible says, Therefore the Lord said to Solomon, because you have done this and have not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to your servant. And so when God pulled away the kingdom from Solomon, can I, can I be very honest, crassily honest with you tonight? Solomon had no one to blame except himself. He could say, oh, the women were so beautiful. Couldn't say that. Oh, these women tempted me. No such thing. Oh, I couldn't help myself. No. You were not sensitive that the Lord was no longer there. You did not feel or you did not sense a difference. And this was the reality of what we're dealing with today in Christianity. He knew of the consequences, yet he continued down the path, yet he failed. He failed to realize, you know, it's, it's like, you know, when my children, I tell them to do something, and when they don't do it, I pull them aside. I say, I want you to think, what did, you, what did I tell you to do? Right? There's a time for that, right? You know, today we live in a blur generation. Oh, I didn't know. Really? Are you so blind you didn't know? You won't do that when you're crossing the road, right? Like, I didn't know car coming. <laughs> you only do that to some, in some instances. You, you get, and, and the point is, if my children say, Daddy, I want... No, you, you didn't do it. So I, okay, one of the things we did was we told our kids tomorrow is going to be yes day. And so what yes day is, is... Everything they ask for, we will do for them tomorrow. You want to be our child? <laughs> what it means is no, there are some, some prerequisites, but Jeremy had a bad attitude yesterday, and Julia had a bad attitude today, which costed them their yesterday. My point to you is now they have to reflect. It's very simple thought here. They have to reflect and ask themselves. What did I do to get daddy to pull back the yesterday? What did I do? See, many Christians don't stop and ask that. Where did I disobey God? What did I do to deserve this mess? What have I done? You see, he disobeyed. And, and if he only reflected, he would have identified it. Oh my goodness, I did something God told me not to do. You see, that is something no one can make you do. It's of your own accord. Likewise, he could have just stopped and said, what happened to my heart? Why have I become so comfortable with these other gods? What happened to my heart? Why have I become so acceptable to all these other idols? What happened? At one time, I was never, I knew the God that I served. What happened to me? If he only took time to reflect. Which is the reason why many people are in the mess they are in today. Because they don't stop and think, what did I do wrong to cause me to be a failure today? What did I do that has costed me my relationship? Why is God not speaking to me? Why do I feel like God is not talking to me? Why do I feel like this is not right? And why does it feel like, are we sensitive? The question this evening is, are we sensitive to the subtle changes our actions have made to our spiritual life? Maybe we have been, maybe we have been ignorant to who we have become. There's less love in us today. There's less compassion in us today. Less fervency in us today. Less desire in us today. And what has happened is, we can go in day by day, day in and day out without reading God's word and feel nothing. Don't pray and feel nothing. Our commitment has gone down the tubes and and the effects of this have left us with a place where we have discreetly changed, not suddenly, but gradually and progressively, just like Solomon. See, that's the problem here, beloved. That's the problem. When we don't want to take the initiative to scrutinize and inspect, when we don't want to take the initiative and the Time to ask ourselves, why have I changed? Why am I not interested in God's word anymore? Why am I not keen in the preaching anymore? Why am I not keen in being in church anymore? Can I preach tonight? These are questions we have to ask ourselves so that we can go back to the root. It is the, it is the saying of where you dropped it, pick it up. It's possible to go far as Solomon did, and pay a price that God was protecting us from. See, those are principles that affect the outcomes of our lives, our future. These are principles. It is replacing God. It is putting God in a different place. It is making an excuse. It is justifying, oh, times are different now, Pastor. We are living in a 21st century make an excuse that my sin is acceptable or my lifestyle is right, can I say, beloved, to you with love and care, correct it before you go as deep as Solomon. Because it will influence who you are and you become a participant of what God despises. If you come with all your heart, I say to you tonight, listen to me very, very carefully. I have realized this to be so true, as simple as it is, yet so true. If you come with all your heart, with genuineness and with sincerity to God, that means no, no facade. No, you're not pretending. You're not putting on a drug. You are just real. You just want God. Your heart is wholeheartedly given to Him. And I say to you, beloved, it is impossible for a man or a woman that comes like that, that God will not help them. God will help them. God will meet with them because action doesn't replace the heart. Solomon can lead a nation. He was doing it. He was con- he was communicating the action he was doing. It. He was day in and day out. Many fathers are still fathers. Many moms are still moms. But guess what? They've opened doors. And now they've allowed things in their life just like Solomon. A shift has happened. A shift has taken place. There no longer is there a fervency in the heart. And they cannot even tell the difference. It seems like there is no longer conviction that I don't pray, I don't feel it anymore. You have to learn to identify like Solomon, you got to stop and say, you know, why is my relationship with God not flourishing? Why does it seem that my relationship has a wall? What am I doing, God? Where am I wrong, God? Show me, God. Because you can keep going on in life without confronting yourself. Now, the closing thought is this. Change is the only way to confront self. Listen to me very carefully here. Listen very carefully. Albert Einstein said, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, but expecting different results. Insanity is this, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. I have counseled couples in my years of ministry. And I've sat down with people who want to get married. They break up with someone and now they want to go into another relationship. And the question is, what has changed from that relationship to this? And seemingly, nothing. Everything's the same. Then I tell you, beloved, with all honesty, the outcome is going to be the same. I was talking to a man today. He was telling me about all these business scams that are going on out there. He said people go from one scam to another scam to another scam to another. They just keep going, 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 going. It's like, you know, you keep doing and doing and doing and doing, and then you expect a different result. Come on. Come on. That's insanity. You don't want to respect your wife, you don't want to respect your husband, but you expect you keep going, you keep, you know, you keep hammering, you keep speaking rudely, you keep doing, you keep doing that, and then you expect a different outcome. That's what Albert Einstein is saying. You can't be doing the same thing again and 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 expect a different outcome. It won't happen. And so here's Solomon. If Solomon was going to change, if Solomon was going to do the right thing, Solomon needed to make a decision to change who he was in God's eyes. You see, refusing to change will only produce the same results over and over again. It is, the, it is what brings frustration it is the, what, it is what brings anger. It is what brings hopelessness. Why am I doing this over and over and over again? And the same results over and over again. But Solomon continued to do the same thing. From one woman to another woman. You realize that? That's what the world is, right? One job to another job. One scam to another scam. One this to another that. And you go on and on and on and on and on. And then we're expecting it's going to come out differently. Yeah. Can I challenge you tonight, beloved, from the Word of God? Solomon is teaching us something. That though the effects were taking a toll, yet he continued pursuing it. He just never had clarity of mind. No focus. No alertness. Everyone could see this is not right. Everyone could see, what's up with you, man? What's wrong with you? 700 wives, are you insane? But he didn't see it. (laughs) What in the world? Bro, how many more wives before you wake up? How many more failures before you wake up? How many more slaps on your face before you wake up? How many more lessons you have to learn before you wake up? I think that's the question of the hour tonight. Because what I see here is though the effects were taking a toll, he knew he was disobeying God. You can see that in the Bible, right? He disobeyed. He knew it was disobedient. Yet he never came to that place of admitting it. He knew he was pursuing other gods, but he will not admit it. He continued. Say that Solomon didn't realize is reflecting his own foolishness. He was responsible. Can I say to you, just like we are responsible for our salvation, if something is wrong with my life, I'm responsible of getting it right. So let's be fair this evening. He failed to do his own check and balances. He is responsible for that. Solomon is this, and this is what most people are. He trapped himself into his own deception that's what solomon was he trapped him he made himself believe i'm right he made himself he convinced himself against all doctrine in the bible think about the wisest man to walk the planet the wisest man today this man is worth 2.2 trillion dollars Solomon, if you put all of his, what he has together, 2.2 trillion dollars. And I ask you, think about this. Why is, what happened? How can he keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over again? How can he not realize, man, something's not right. I'm not getting closer to God. I'm not getting anywhere nearer to God. I'm not growing, I'm not maturing, I'm not good. You see, if you're interested, you will stop. Examine and change. I cannot live this lifestyle. I cannot sleep in every day. I can't, I have to change. If I want to get closer to God, I have to change. I have to wake up and pray every day. I can't keep living like this. I can't keep going after things, my lust, my flesh, my desire, covetousness, lying, stealing. I can't keep doing that. I have to change. James chapter 1, verses 14. Look, look at this powerful passage of text. Look at this. He says, But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. How does how does a person get drawn away? What happens? Why does he get tempted? He gets tempted because he desires it. Your temptation is built on your desire. If you want to watch pornography, trust me, the devil knows how to bring it up on your computer screen. Amen. He knows how to do that. If, he want, if, if, if you desire things that, that pleases your flesh, can we tell you, you will find you know, things that will appeal to you. The, the devil is so good at doing that. He knows how to play the game. And what I realize here is here Solomon, his desire was so much for the things of the world and the flesh. He he, he wanted that so much that he kept giving in, giving in to that temptation. And I say to you, deception is true, beloved but I close, check and balance keep us focused and sober-minded. It means I'm challenging you tonight. By the word of God, don't take my word. How's your Christian life? Really, how is it? Are you growing? I was talking to a man today. He's telling me he just had a kid, two years old. The child is two years old and they took him, the, the the baby just celebrated her birthday yesterday it was telling me i took him to kkm i took her to kkm yesterday and kkm claimed to say that you know because she's 2 years old uh, she should be already speaking at least three to four words uh, together uh, something could be wrong with her and so on and so forth and they are trying to you know obviously uh, alarm alarm the mom and dad on this subject but The point is, as I was listening to him, I realized, how many know, beloved, that in a child, as the child is developing, there are certain things you look to and say, okay, the child is developing well. They're growing up. That means the child has to progress. The child has to progress from from just being able to crawl, to talk, to sit, to walk, to eat on their own. Am I right? You must be able to identify these development stages in their life. You must be as a parent or a, a sensitive, hey, what's wrong? Something is not right. I have to get it attended to. I have to look into it or so on and so forth. And this is necessary when it comes to the child. And when that doesn't happen, you want to inspect because something may not be normal. When you work a job, you can't be in a job for 5 to 10 years and get the same pay that you got when you first joined. Something is wrong. When you get into your car and you, like I told you just now, you hear something is not right, you feel the car wobbling, you hear a sound coming up, you know something is wrong. So if we can all identify something is wrong... Because we base it on the manual. This is your life manual. That when you read this book, if you've been a Christian for five years, if you've been a Christian for ten years, there should be development in you. And when you're not developing, it should trouble you. Why am I not growing? Why am I not thinking more? Why am I not const- you know being able to pray differently? Why am I not... What's wrong? Why, where, where, where? You see, we are concerned when our children don't grow. We are concerned when our jobs are not, much, our, our jobs are not progressing. We are concerned, concerned when something breaks down at home. When are we going to get concerned about our Christian and spiritual life? When are we going to start paying attention? This is not normal. For me to live in worry and fear is not normal. I need to fight. I need to know where I, why. Why is this happening? What door have I opened? What have I allowed myself to? You can't live like that, beloved, because lest we become Solomon going deeper, So you need to have an awakening tonight. I close with this final scripture. Bear with me, I close with this. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verses 2, the Bible says this, Solomon turns around and he says these words, vanity of vanity says the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. You know what Solomon became? He not only became the most wisest man in the Bible, we know that, amen? But he became the most depressed man. Solomon was the most depressed person. No joy. And you know why he had all of that wisdom? He knew all of that, but he did otherwise. He knew what he needed to do, but he did otherwise. And this is the danger right here tonight. I ask you as I close, what has changed in your walk with God? Have you been growing have you been maturing? Does it concern you tonight that there are things in you that you are opening up to? There are characters, attitudes, and, and, and natures that are beginning to come to surface. Are there things in your life tonight that is coming to surface? Are you ignoring them? Are you just pushing them aside and saying, ah, forget it, it's nothing. Or are you dealing with them? Because what I learned from Solomon is this. You can ignore it, you can brush it aside. And you can be like what Albert Einstein said keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. And you know what makes you so angry and upset? Pastor! I cannot get this to work. I was just talking to a man and that's the same thing I shared with him. I said, bro, you've got to learn. Somewhere, you're going to have to say, you know, I cannot just keep doing the same thing over and over. Something has to change. Your attitude, maybe. I'm saying that to you tonight. Your attitude, your emotion, maybe. You've got to change. If you don't, you'll keep doing, getting the same result. And that's what Solomon did. God tore the kingdom away from him. He had so many opportunities to get right. But God said, time is up. Enough is enough. So can we check our hearts tonight? Can we investigate and examine our hearts tonight? Can we ask ourselves this question? What have I allowed into my life? Maybe conviction is gone. The preaching of God's word is no longer interesting anymore. Maybe your prayer life has gone down the drain. Maybe you no longer spend time with God's Word. I mean, it's not just the action, beloved. I'm talking about the spirit behind the action. Because I can be honest with you. I have read the Bible over and over and time and time. But there are times in my life, I've just read it for the sake of reading it. And I can tell you when I did it without my heart, I don't get anything that God speaks to me. But I tell you when I read it with my heart, my whole heart, God speaks. That's why I say to you, it is impossible if you're doing it with all your heart. Don't tell me God doesn't meet you. God meets you. No such thing. You come to the altar and you pray. If you come with all your heart and you pray with all your heart, with genuineness, I guarantee you, God will touch you. This is what the devil does. He makes us, he, he distracts our heart, keeps it outside. We come in, we go through the whole ritual, the formality, we walk out, and then we get angry with God. He never changes anything. Nothing happens. I go to church ten times, nothing changes. Is your heart here? Is your heart here? Don't be Solomon tonight. Don't be Solomon. Keep doing the wrong again and again. Change. Change. Change tonight. Bow your heads with me.